Lily Riddle Narcotics Emporium presents Lily and the Art of Being Sisyphus by the Carnivorous Muffin read by San Gabriel based on the works of J.K. Rowling Chapter 4 Lenin and the Art of Vague Friendship Now, Ellie, I want you to pick the face on this chart that you feel like. Lily blinked, staring at the man who was sitting across from her in a brightly lit room holding up a chart of cartooned emotions. He was looking at her with a smile that she assumed was supposed to be reassuring, but just looked very strange when directed at her. Behind him rested several puppets, pictures of happy, cheerful animals, and even further back several leather-bound books and a few glass frames, one of which held a piece of paper declaring his doctorate in psychology. Lily regarded the chart and finally said, I don't see a picture of combating the absurdity of the universe, so I have to go with a mix between surprise and utter bewilderment. Lily felt it was important to go over the events that had brought her to the psychologist only a few days after Christmas. It had all started once she had finally been released from solitary confinement by the Dursleys. For the crime of stealing at Petunia's sleeping medication, Lily had been sentenced to several days in the cupboard, with breaks only to go to the restroom and get some food. Apparently sleeping medication was pretty important, because Lily couldn't even remember the last time she had been locked in there that long. She'd spent the next three days staring at the dark walls filled with her own drawings with a dazed expression, wondering if she should draw a portrait of Wizard Lennon in full communist regalia when she got the chance. The migraine of death had occurred about halfway through her term. One moment she had been contemplating the nature of the fourth dimension. If the cupboard didn't have a clock, did time cease to move in regular intervals? And the next her head was on fire and being stabbed by tiny men. Her eyes snapped shut and she clutched her pounding skull, unable to think at all as the walls began to spin around her. It was then that Wizard Lennon's voice tore through her consciousness like a freight train, in a sentence whose tone she understood but whose meaning completely escaped her. Those goddamn muggle sons of whores! He didn't seem to be waiting for a response. Instead, that soft, commanding voice tore on with an increasing sense of danger, locking us in here like a starving dog, as if that will somehow beat the magic out of her, because starvation is an excellent means of combating suicide. She'll learn her lesson now, even if they have to kill her to do it. And Dumbledore, is this Dumbledore's grand scheme for the instrument of my defeat? Lock her in a cupboard with her abusive relatives? What the hell does that senile bastard think this will possibly accomplish? All it would take would be a word to the Wizencammers, or even the Prophet, and he would be ruined. Even then, even if miraculously no one hears about this, how does he expect dear little Eleanor Potter to turn out? Does he expect to make a puppet for the light out of this, so grateful to the wizarding world that she'd do anything to keep it? There was a bitter laugh there, somehow laced with irony, and Lily was involuntarily flooded with the mental image of a boy a few years older than her with hard eyes the color of pale river stones. <laughs> if this is the extent of the competence of the Order of the Phoenix, then I have truly overestimated my enemies. Leave them alone, and they'll tear themselves to pieces. At the sound of Wizard Lennon's most recent break into hysterical laughter, Lily managed to pull some of her leaking brain back into her ears and pushed herself up into a half-sitting position. The walls still spun, but they now resembled walls rather than a kaleidoscope of shadows. The laughter died down, but Wizard Lennon's words still turned on themselves. Like small gears, they operated against one another to bring to life a great machine of thought. The pain in her head had localized to her scar, allowing her to think enough to be able to speak words. 
Lenin, stop killing my head with nails. Kind of. It was the general tone of the words that counted. Not that he appeared to be listening anyway, since he just kept talking, each word driving another spike into the lightning bolt-shaped target on her forehead. Of course there is the fact that Eleanor Potter is never explicitly mentioned in the prophecy, at least not in the section I heard, surely. Something as absurd and logic-defying as that would be mentioned somewhere. Still, from the Potter and Severus relayed, it was Longbottom who should have had the power to defeat me. Dumbledore would consider that highly dangerous, talking to snakes terrified him. Let's see him handle deflecting the killing curse and blowing up a house. Perhaps the wizarding world isn't even aware of the girl's role in my temporary leave of absence. It couldn't very well have been brushed under the carpet, written off as another victory in dueling for Albus Dumbledore. I wouldn't put it past him, but no. I'd think he'd bring reinforcements to the scene, and he wouldn't be able to brush her aside so easily in front of them, while maintaining his image of protector of the good. Too many words, Lenin! Letty said as she rubbed her scar with two fingers, trying not to cry as the mini-migraine continued. Lily had rarely ever cried. She hadn't seen the point in it. It had never gotten her what she wanted, and it was exhausting. If Wizard Lenin wasn't moved by the voice of reason, otherwise known as Lily's pain, he wouldn't be moved by tears. Finally, Wizard Lenin stopped, as if remembering Lily's existence, and moved his attention onto her. The pain in her scar vanished to a mild prickling that was easily rubbed away. Lily, I never did give you permission to call me Lenin. Lily blinked in confusion. She honestly hadn't considered names to be an issue for him. She had thought they were kind of like hats, sometimes convenient depending on the weather, and easily traded for another if it looked a bit gaudy for the occasion. Lily had no idea what she'd do with a French airplane disaster, so she had related him to something she at least had some familiarity with. Besides, he should be proud of his dedication to the glorious revolution and the death of the bourgeoisie scum. To be so driven as to say no to Uncle Death when he came by to take him beyond the train station, now there was a leader. None of that was in any way, shape, or form accurate, Wizard Lenin stated without inflection, as if too bewildered to actually form an emotional response. Finally he settled on saying, I would infinitely prefer it if you referred to me as something other than... Lily, do you have any way to get out of this cupboard once locked in? He appeared to give up on his request halfway through, condemning himself to the name Wizard Lenin with something that sounded like resigned shame, as if he simply didn't have the energy to waste on trifles like names, but wished he did. She was glad. Lord of the French airplane disasters didn't suit him, really, unless there were planes in this wizarding war that he had failed to mention. Answer the question, he stated rather shortly. She turned her attention to the door, eyes narrowing as she surveyed it. A few years ago, she would have been able to jimmy the lock with a hairpin. She had originally gotten the idea when she had overheard something for the television while she had been vacuuming the living room. She wasn't sure how well these television antics worked in real life, but she supposed it was worth a try. For weeks, she had managed to escape the cupboard at night, spending her time stealing various books from the attic, exploring all the channels on the television and discovering the mighty kung fu powers of Bruce Lee and creating a complete mental map of Number 4 Privet Drive. It had ended rather abruptly when one night Uncle Vernon had come downstairs to find her watching a really bizarre show featuring naked people, terrible acting, and quite a few whips. He looked rather uncomfortable giving her the belt after that incident, but it hadn't seemed to stop him. After that, a second lock had been added to the door, one that was attached to the outside where she couldn't reach with a pin, and Lily had been condemned to her position in the cupboard for the rest of her known life. 
However, that was before she had realized the universe was splintering. If she could manipulate sound waves, cross dimensions, resurrect herself on a semi-regular basis, and enter her own consciousness, she could certainly unlock a door. Wizard Lennon seemed caught up in the small details of her story for a few moments. Lily could feel him sorting through her head looking for her age at the time and what she had been watching on television when he forcibly retrained his attention on her. Good. Let's get out of here before we do actually die of starvation. Lily blinked at that. She wasn't sure the Dursleys meant to starve her to death. It'd be counterproductive since they had just driven her back from the hospital and all. Plus, the Dursleys were so tied up in normality that she didn't think they'd appreciate having their niece's corpse stashed in their cupboard. Lily tried to figure out how to do that talking with her head thing that Wizard Lennon appeared to be doing. After a few tries, she got the hang of it and responded back, It's probably just best to wait it out. The holidays are coming up and they won't lock me in the cupboard if they have to go to Christmas parties. They'll have to take me to Mrs. Fix and then I'll have to be fed. It'll be fine. Wizard Lennon seemed unsure. She caught the mutterings of Muckles and goddamn Albus Dumbledore, but he didn't actually say anything directly to her and seemed more or less prepared to wait out the rest of her sentence with her. Despite the initial headache caused by his appearance, Lily was happy he came along, even after she had been released. He was rarely nice and pretended not to listen to her, but he tended to agree with her opinions on Dudley and the Dursleys. It was nice to have someone agree with her. It had never happened before. After a few days of watching Dudley at meals, he had concluded in a strange tone, "'Your relatives are disgusting. I'm shocked that you haven't considered familicide yet. If you can conceive the thought of killing yourself, how can you not consider simply killing them?' So she was relatively happy when they were shipped off, as predicted, to Mrs. Figg's for the holidays. Mrs. Figg, however, for whatever reason, didn't seem happy to see Lily. She seemed nervous, almost like Aunt Petunia was after the hospital— always looking at her, looking at her arms and her back, watching as Lily gorged on biscuits and tea with a somewhat ill expression. Lily didn't really care what Mrs. Figg's problem was, just so long as she kept providing food. Wizard Lennon, however, was growing increasingly wary the longer they spent there. "'Lily, how many cats exactly does this woman own?' he asked in a tone that was not quite cautious, but approaching the tone at a safe distance. The cats were perched all over the room, watching them like vultures. "'yellow eyes gleaming. "'I don't know. I've never actually counted. "'I generally just refer to them as the herd,' "'Lily thought with a chocolate chip biscuit in her mouth. "'One of the cats pawed at the tail of Lily's brain "'as if it were a red fish. "'Lily snatched it away from its grasp "'before it could eat it alive with a look of alarm on her face. "'She had always been aware of Mrs. Figg's cats, "'not quite afraid, "'but certainly she tracked their movements "'just as they tracked hers. "'There were moments she swore they had human eyes. "'Right,' he said and tried to put the cats out of his mind, apparently unwilling to bring the topic up further. "'Eleanor, dear, maybe you should slow down.' Lily completely ignored Mrs. Figg and reached for more food. "'Can't paycheck cut have to make good with what I have now, or I'll never make it through winter.' Mrs. Figg said nothing for a little while. Rather, she nervously wrung her hands back and forth. Finally, she said, "'Eleanor, are the Dursleys treating you?' Do they... How are your relatives? In a festive mood, I think. Festive for the Dursleys was wearing holiday sweaters. Their overall personalities did not change in the slightest. Whether they were amplified, Aunt Petunia's grim smiles grew more sour with the impending arrival of Aunt Marge, Uncle Vernon swelled with the turkey and his bonus check from Grunnings, and Dudley became surprisingly more needy as the mountain of toys and distractions proved once again insufficient. That's not what I... 
Mrs. Fig trailed off and continued to wring her hands nervously as the cat circled around them. Abruptly, Wizard Lennon offered clarification. Oh, for God's sake, Lily, she's asking whether you're being abused by your relatives. Lily blinked and looked over at Mrs. Fig, who couldn't seem to decide if she wanted to ask Lily anything at all, as if this was somehow a forbidden topic. Not that Lily was being abused by the Dursley, she merely worked for them. They did nothing to her that she couldn't handle. Yes, Lily, you are being abused, Wizard Lennon said in a tone that brooked no argument. Not that this woman really cares about your well-being. What we're seeing here, Lily, is a common scenario of immoral people pretending to live by their higher ideals. She knows something is off about your situation, has probably known it for a long time, but is content to let you suffer. The knowledge that she is content in letting a child be beaten and starved almost to the point of death worries her, and so to assuage her conscience she is trying to find a polite way to reassure herself without really getting involved. That seemed rather complicated for a crazy cat lady. Um, so should I do anything? Just ignore her, and she'll continue to ignore you, Mr. Lennon said with a sigh as if she had missed the entire point of his rant. She probably had, though he didn't think Mrs. Fig thought that much in general, so she was a little confused as to why all that was going through her head when she could have just asked. Well, they could ignore it, though. That was the great thing about Wizard Lennon. He had such practical advice. Mrs. Fig, however, didn't have the benefit of having an advisor like Wizard Lennon and still kept trying to phrase her question. "'Are you happy, Lily?' In truth, Lily wasn't quite sure what happiness was. When they had story time at school, the princess and the prince always lived happily ever after. However, this was only after great suffering and calamity had occurred. When the princess had almost died, the kingdom almost vanished, everything almost falling into ruin. Happiness then wasn't a feeling in and of itself, but rather extreme relief at having had a terrible fate pass over them. The only time Lily could claim to be happy then was meeting with Death and Wizard Lennon, both points where she had died, or very nearly died, but not quite. She supposed that was accurate. She'd always preferred death to the Dursleys, and Wizard Lennon was shaping up to be decent company. But she wasn't at the train station, or in her brain at the moment. She was stuck at Mrs. Figg's. The answer, then, was an adamant no. However, given Mrs. Figg's unusual behavior, she wasn't entirely sure that that was the answer that the crazy cat lady wanted to hear. Do you always debate this much over trivial decisions? Wizard Lennon cut in, but she ignored him. He was just grumpy because a few days ago he'd had a ridiculous idea that she, a five-year-old, should teleport into downtown London to look for the magical shopping district behind a pub and prance around the black market to find out just what had happened to Wizard Lennon's comrades. Of course she had said no. She was off for adventures. But even Lily knew that five-year-olds did not simply wander alone in London. She had the feeling he hadn't given up on the idea, only relented slightly as he recognized her logic and the fact that he was little more than a voice in her head that she chose to tolerate. "'I'm not entirely dissatisfied,' Lily responded instead, which was also true. Things had been shaping up quite nicely these past couple of months. "'Good. That's good,' Mrs. Fig said, seeming somewhat relieved herself. She still looked slightly anxious as if she had realized that Lily hadn't quite said happy there, but her hands had stopped twitching at least. Mrs. Fig looked at the clock on the wall, the one with cats on it, and said, "'Oh, dear me, I've got to go and check on dinner. I'll be back in a jiffy.' And so Mrs. Fig left Lily and Wizard Lennon alone with the cats. It was the first time that Lily had been left to herself without adult supervision since that day in the hospital. 
Aunt Petunia had taken to watching Lily subtly while she was doing her chores, sometimes from another room or sometimes from the back porch, but Lily was never left to her own devices. She always pretended like she wasn't staring at Lily, as if that action was beneath her, but Lily always caught her aunt's eyes on her, narrowed in suspicion. If Lily had known what a big deal those sleeping pills were, she would have just gone for the drills in the garage. "'Hey, Lennon, how do you feel about meeting Uncle Death?' Lily asked the voice in her head. Wizard Lennon started. "'Now? Isn't that a better time for this?' Not really, with the constant attention from Aunt Petunia. If she didn't act now, she wouldn't have a chance until school started up again. And she was not about to leave Death alone for the holidays. He probably was expecting her, since she hadn't managed to visit yet anyway. With that thought, Lily stood dramatically and observed her surroundings. Unfortunately, she didn't know Mrs. Figg's house nearly as well as the Dursleys, so the hardware and medicine cabinet was not available. However, the good old tree was waiting in the backyard. She smiled, snuck past Mrs. Figg in the kitchen, and started her ascent up the now-familiar tree of destiny. Wizard Lennon's anxiety mounted the further up they went, first starting with statements on how it might not even work given the sleeping pill disaster, and then moving on to demands to climb back down right now, or he would slaughter all her remaining relatives and make her take the blame. On the topmost branches, she was hit with several images of a dismembered Uncle Vernon that put most horror movies to shame. Unfortunately for Wizard Lennon, Lily wasn't very squeamish. Leaning over the side of the tree, she looked down to the ground several feet below, judging it to be high enough, ready to dive head first. If that didn't break her neck, she'd have to try the roof. You ready? Wizard Lennon didn't manage to give an intelligible response by the time she jumped. However, if she had to guess, she'd think it was a no. For a minute they were flying downward, trapped in the space in between, passing through the ground with a snap and floating into the abyss, until slowly but surely the train station came into view. Death was lounging in a chair in the café, green eyes tracing the ceiling where his past flickered invisibly. He looked comfortable in his own way, as if he was merely waiting for something to occur but was content to rest until it did. Distantly, Lily heard Wizard Lennon say, it's a train station. However, she was already running towards death and had no time to listen to whatever observation Wizard Lennon chose to make. Hey, Uncle Death, I'm back. You wouldn't believe the trouble it took me to get here. He turned to face her. A smile already formed on his lips until his eyes drifted to Wizard Lennon, who was still standing where he had been deposited. She turned back to look at her companion. Apparently her wish to see him in communist regalia had come true, or at least partially true. Dressed in red and black, he wore a long overcoat and rather militaristic gear. On his jacket a gold sickle and star shone in the lighting of the station. Wizard Lennon apparently hadn't appreciated the gesture as he inspected his outfit, and then glared at her with the scary blue eyes that were so pale they were hardly even blue anymore. Death stood and took hold of Lily's hand in his own, and walked slowly over to Wizard Lennon with an expression that Lily had never seen on his face before. It was one of his inhuman expressions— when he stopped pretending to be a man, a dry twisting of the lips that spoke of no real emotion, only ages of history and power. If it isn't Tom Little, he said in a quiet voice, the last time I saw you in this place you were naked and sobbing under a bench. Wizard Lennon looked somewhat insulted, but also slightly confused before he managed to regain his composure and say, You must be death, then. Lily's told me all about you. Has she? Death asked with a tilt of his head. I suppose she didn't mention that I don't play chess anymore. 
If you've come to challenge me to a game, I'm afraid I'll have to pass. I do, however, play Jenga if you're partial to it. Lily looked up at the pair of them. She felt, for some bizarre reason, that she was missing about three-fourths of the conversation. The danger that she had sensed in both of them, that pale fire in Wizard Lennon, and the cold, barren stretches of the universe in death, had come to the forefront and seemed to be radiating from their images. Oh, hey, Uncle, do you know Lennon already? Death turned his attention from Wizard Lennon with a cheerful smile. With one arm he drew her closer to his own body, tucking her in by his leg. It was funny, normally Death wasn't this clingy. He always seemed a little hesitant about touching people, as if he hadn't done it for quite some time. Not that she had a problem with it, since she wasn't really a touchy person either. Oh, yes. Tom Riddle and I go way back, Death said with that same smile, completely disregarding Wizard Lennon's darkening features. In fact, I knew him back when I still thought I was human. Tell me, though, how exactly did you come across Mr. Riddle? Apparently he's been crashing in my brain without paying rent for the last four years, Lily said with a wave of her hand. He says he got in there during the car accident that killed my parents. Oh, is that where you met him? Death looked over at Wizard Lennon with a curious tilt of his head, but responded to her question at any rate. I'm not the death of your universe, Lily. That would be you. I suppose I should clarify. Not being a native of your own universe, I've never met this particular manifestation of Tom Riddle. That being said, one hardly differs from the other. Once you've met one Tom Marvolo Riddle, you've met them all. Lily turned her head so that she, too, was observing the fuming Wizard Lennon. Manifestation? There's more than one? Death nodded. Oh, yes. Your doppelganger over there isn't even the original. Do you think this is funny? Wizard Lennon's face looked like it had in the library that moment before he had started laughing, when the shadows had warped around them and his eyes had burned so terribly cold. Death straightened under the stare, not out of fear, but as if he was readying himself for something. Death replied in a voice equally chill. No, not particularly. For many years I wished to say that there was nothing that distinguished you from the other dark lords I have dealt with over the years. You won't have such pretentious names for yourselves, after all. But I will admit that you are very tenacious. For a human, that is. Death turned to Lily, his eyes no longer even holding the semblance of being human. Lily, wait in the chair where I was sitting when you got here. Lily nodded and did what she was told. She had the feeling one did not disregard orders from death. As soon as she got there, she resumed watching the conflict. Lenin, I must say it to suit you. Does it sting? Death asked, with a wolf's smile stepping close enough to Wizard Lennon that they were chest to chest. Of course you must take up some new mantle. Your old name would have been far too ironic for this meeting. Wizard Lennon's eyes narrowed. I have trouble believing that you are really death. But if you are, then you have some information I require. Oh, Death asked. I suppose I do look rather anticlimactic. The cloak is on loan and the scythe is tacky. But I rather doubt you're asking for proof. He paused, then, thinking. Although even I'm not entirely certain what happens to a Horcrux when it dies. Wizard Lennon looked as if he had been hit in the face. Death looked over at him with understanding painted in a moment. Oh, you don't know. You think you're the original, don't you? 
Lily burst in at this point, having wanted to follow the dialogue, but also getting more hopelessly confused the more words passed. Hey, not to interrupt, but what are we talking about? Death looked over at her. Tom here. He's a brilliant person. Rather, he's a fragment of a soul. A rather large fragment, considering everything, but a fragment nonetheless. You see, a wizard can split their soul and store it into an object. That object and the soul inside it are then referred to as a horcrux, by a very strange twist of fate that comes when a human tries to murder death itself. Tom here accidentally made himself into a horcrux, and is only just now realizing it. You have no proof? proof? Mr. Riddle, I remind you that I am death. If anyone would know a horcrux on sight, it would be me. Death said calmly before continuing. But you wanted to ask me something before we started arguing semantics. Wizard Lenin looked like he wanted to kill something, his eyes almost blank and yet so jagged and sharp, like someone could cut themselves merely by looking into them for too long. His expression had gone flat, and his hands were clenched at his sides. Still, he didn't move any closer to Uncle Death, or make any move to strike. What happened that night? He said without inflection, his words cold and bitter in the well-lit station. Death regarded him carefully, not as if he was particularly afraid of Wizard Lennon himself, but more of the collateral damage an outburst might cause to the station. He said with that strange seriousness that seems to pervade the conversation, You tried to kill Death. She wasn't even mentioned in the prophecy! Wizard Lennon shouted, throwing his arms out so that they motioned to her, still sitting at the cafe table, eyes going back and forth between them as if watching a ping-pong match. Really? Death asked curiously and looked over at Lily himself. I just assumed that the prophecy changed in her dimension. But wait, if she wasn't in the prophecy, why on earth did you bother? It was convenient. Convenient to break into a home under a Fidelius, protected by your greatest enemy, with the express purpose of killing their infant daughter? Death asked with raised eyebrows. I do not have to justify myself to you. Funny. Most men do find that they do have to justify themselves to me. At the end of things, at any rate. Death remarked almost as an aside. Wizard Lenin looked dully between Death and Lily, finally stating, It must be genetic. She wasn't sure what was supposed to be genetic, since Wizard Lenin didn't look inclined to explain his thought there, but at least Death was confused as well. His eyebrow raised slightly as his eyes flickered to Lily sitting in the chair away from the action. He sighed and dragged a hand through his hair, as if that might somehow allow him to abide the idiocy he must constantly contend with. With a grimace that almost seemed painful, he continued his original line of questioning. Are you seriously suggesting that the little girl over there is death? I'm not suggesting, I'm certain. Wizard Lennon ignored the statement. And that my attempt to kill her tore apart my soul and destroyed my body. Well, it was also suggested to me at one time that it was the power of love that destroyed you, Death said with a cocked head. But as romantic as that may sound, I never quite bought it myself. Wizard Lenin seemed to have run out of things to say. Death turned from him with a quick spin, speaking over his shoulder as he approached Lily. Will that be all, Mr. Riddle? Not that I don't appreciate your company, but sociopaths slavering for immortality are not my usual cup of tea. With a sigh, Death sat across from her, 
and proceeded to completely ignore Wizard Lennon, who was still standing, staring after him, both baffled and insulted. Alaric, why on earth did you bring a nuisance like Tom Riddle here? I like him, Lily stated, waving slightly over at her latest friend, hoping he hadn't taken any of that too personally. He's nice. Earth must be a desolate, toxic wasteland much earlier in your reality than it is in mine, if Tom Riddle was just described as being nice, Death commented dryly, summoning a pitcher of tea with a wave of his hand, as well as two cups. She noticed that a cup didn't appear for Wizard Lennon. He's the only person besides you who's ever listened to a word I say, she protested, indignant at Death's assumptions. He may not always agree, and he has these crazy political theories that he believes are somehow relevant to the very nature of reality, but he does listen. Death eyed Wizard Lennon warily. Really, somehow I just can't picture Lord Voldemort entertaining little girls. Well, it did happen, Lily said with lowered eyebrows before angrily taking a sip of tea. You said that you met a different version of him anyway in your universe. You just say that this one isn't different. Death considered her statement, pensive at first and then a small smile rose to his lips. Who knows, maybe you're right. A third teacup appeared, and Death motioned for Wizard Lennon to join them. Wizard Lennon glowered, but then steadily approached, pulling the third chair from the table with a grating noise against the pavement. Without a word, he began to pour himself some tea, doing his best to pretend the pair of them didn't exist. Death's smile remained, and it became almost fond. You're doing rather well. The Tom Riddle I knew from my universe would have been frothing at the mouth and attempting to torture me into submission by this point. The tea stopped pouring for an instant. Wizard Lennon's face blank as the comment registered. He appeared to decide he didn't want to acknowledge it and continued to pour the tea. Tom Riddle and his shenanigans aside, Lily, how are you? Death asked. After that, the conversation calmed slightly. Wizard Lennon sat stiffly watching the pair of them as they discussed the nuances of Lily's daily life his eyes lingering on the softening of Death's expression and the eagerness in Lily's, only speaking when he was addressed, and rarely then. This, Lily thought to herself as she sipped tea, must be what happiness really is. Soon enough they were heading back into the world, Wizard Lennon waiting impatiently at the exit, as Lily and Death exchanged some final words. Death crouched down so that he was at her eye level. He brushed her hair back from her face with cold, pale fingers, and with a sad smile said, Good luck in everything, Lily. I'll be here when you come back. He hugged her then, briefly, no longer than a single heartbeat, and then he was standing and pushing her off towards Wizard Lennon. To Wizard Lennon he offered a half-salute. Try not to destroy the world in your attempts to rule it. With that, Lily took Wizard Lennon's hand, and they walked back into Lily's body resting at the bottom of the tree. Lily wasn't sure what she had been expecting, perhaps a repeat of that fall day, where it had only been her and the tree. As it was, she instead woke to Mrs. Fig's frantic shouting, and a dizzy view as her body was being shaken back and forth in an attempt to revive her. After the Dursleys returned from the holiday party, Christmas sweaters at their most festive, and learned that Lily had once again had a near-death experience from a shrieking Mrs. Fig, it was decided that the usual set of consequences wasn't going to work this time. Or at least it was decided by Aunt Petunia. Uncle Vernon, in his fit of purple rage, seemed hell-bent on bringing out the belt and whipping it out of her, but for whatever reason this idea was quickly dismissed by a panicking Petunia, who looked out towards where the neighbors' houses were still lit. And that was how a few days after Christmas, 
Lily and Wizard Lennon found themselves at a child psychologist's office. For the full text of this and other stories by the same author, visit the AO3 page of The Carnivorous Muffin. Intro music licensed from Pond 5. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.